0: Before you continue, this episode will discuss childhood sexual abuse and the lasting effects someone can experience from it throughout this episode. We don't go into much detail, but I just wanted to give a heads up in case it is something that you're not in a space to listen to right now. What is your podcast about? Okay, so Reclaiming Representation, we feature the voices of artists whose identities are often marginalized, tokenized, excluded from mainstream art culture and so it's like an opportunity for us to learn about their lives and work while also reflecting on the role that art and artists play in dismantling systems of oppression. But also it's an excuse for me to talk to artists who I really admire and Artists whose work is honest and authentic and gives voices to their experiences. I want to talk to you, Casper. Casper is like my longtime friend. She is a visual artist and musician who actually composed our theme music and recently performed at South by Southwest here in Austin with Plato the Third. How do we know each other? How we met? Yeah.
1: We go way back. (laughs) We met in high school. Worst
0: time of my life.
1: Um, Yeah, just through high school and our mutual love for Arcade Fire.
0: Honestly, Arcade Fire got me through adolescence for sure.
1: (laughs) Hell yeah. Oh, uh, Hispanic (laughs) women. White city. Yeah.
0: And I think that had a lot to do with us, like, clicking. Uh, So I know that I'm nervous, but I'm curious, like, how are you feeling right now? I feel nervous just
1: because you're like literally 10 steps away i live in karina's backyard (laughs) i'm feeling nervous about it and i think because i have a lot of embarrassment and shame about being an artist and especially one that is not successful i guess
0: like, hearing you say that, like, I feel like that's kind of how I talked about Because, like, usually it's, like, when an artist is successful, that's when they get recognition. That's when they get mm-hmm. interviews. And it's important for people to see and can and, like, relate to artists where they are. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of artists who are, I mean, I don't even know if I'm successful. I view you as successful. Like I asked Sarah Fox that question and she's like, it really depends on who is looking at it. So it really just depends on what you value. And so I feel bad hearing you say I'm not successful, but I think that is what I want to talk about. Like Mm -hmm. who gets recognition, who gets seen as an artist? What do you have to achieve in order to be seen as like a real artist? If you don't yet have those things, like how are you supposed to keep going? (laughs) Especially if you already deal with feelings of like shame and embarrassment. Yeah.
1: And I I think I feel like nervous about being vulnerable about that part of it but I think because I do consider myself an artist but then not a successful one because I'm not sustaining myself solely on art and I hate that I have that definition of like that's what a successful artist is but it kind of is just ingrained in our culture like if you're making money from it and making a living from it then it's a hit it's a success whatever but I think for like my personal success just like making anything at all for me is a success because of the amount of I I struggle so hard with motivation and just like brushing my teeth and getting out of bed so if I fucking make a painting I am amazed
0: And that makes me so happy to like get to hear you say that. How would you describe your identity? How do you identify in any capacity?
1: I think I'm a deconstructed Christian artist.
0: And that should be a new genre of
1: music. It probably will. And like, I feel weird about saying that because I'm not a Christian anymore. And I'm not singing about like how amazing God is and all the amazing stuff he's done in my life. So like, it's kind of like anti-Christian, not anti-Christian, but um, just religious trauma. Like I'm hurt by this system and that's how I get it out. That's how I think I identify at
0: the moment. Are there any parts of your identity like you want to see represented more in art? Yeah, I think that I would love to see
1: more of the actively healing traumatized person who hasn't forgiven their abuser or forgiven whatever situation they went through and only talks about how the trauma made them stronger or whatever and not how it actually affects their daily life and how incredibly hard it is to be a survivor
0: of abuse. I would like to see more nuanced art, I guess, And I can imagine like why it's hard to see that because it's so hard to create when you're still in a trauma response, like just trying to survive. And especially when you are so vulnerable, it like exactly the feelings that you addressed in like the beginning of this episode where you're talking about how it's like, I feel really nervous and vulnerable. And it's like, those are the feelings that usually keep people from talking about those times and just waiting for when it's easier to talk about things because like they've already gotten to the other side or whatever. Yeah. I know you also have mentioned that you're trying to find
1: producers. Yeah, like I have not worked with a female producer and I think that for my work that it would be so helpful to have that just because there is a mutual understanding of what I'm writing about and it would be a different connection. I think it's hard to communicate that with men.
0: Do you have any thoughts on
1: why it's rare to find a female producer? I mean, yeah, because there's so much sexism. And like, I see female producers that I follow on Instagram. If you're too hot, you're not making your beats. There's no way that you could make that kind of music. And then if you're not attractive, you can't use like your face to propel you in the algorithm you know or whatever so it's like this twisted game you can never win and I even struggle with that too how much do I want to use my body and my face and my sexuality online to get attention because you kind of do have to participate in it to get attention I'm trying to find that balance right now of like what am I comfortable
0: with yeah how would you describe the kind of art that you make
1: I would describe it as my wounded inner child making art, but through my adult body, from the medium that I use to the subject matter that I paint, it is very childish and I, I use like highlighters and crayons, glitter, um, but then at the same time I'm I'm like painting something hypersexual or something Really innocent, like a kitten with angel wings or whatever. And I think that all encapsulates my experience of being a, I don't want to say survivor of childhood sexual abuse,
0: but of someone who experienced that. I know you'd listed some things, but if you can describe like the kinds of art, because you do a lot of different things, like not just music, not just drawings. How does your creativeness get expressed? So
1: Music is the number one thing, singing, because it's really helpful just to like yell sometimes and be loud with like words that you want to say that you can't anywhere else. Painting and digital illustration is something I've come into more recently I think it's because I've always had this fear of like wasting material. Then I was like, oh, I can draw as much as I want. I'm not wasting material. And like, it really did help me thrive and like find my style and, you know, kind of a
0: style. I'm still on that path, but. That was really helpful. So Casper designed these really cute stickers. It's like a sticker sheet. It has this like really cute garden design and she made it just for our audience. So they're available as our summer 2022 Patreon perks for the rebellious and revolutionary tiers. And so go to the Patreon link in our description and check out the designs and make a monthly pledge if you're able to so that you can get those stickers in the mail. Yay. That was so fun to do. The seasonal stick is actually something that we are starting in hopes to like feature artists that we have interviewed and kind of like make something special for people who listen to the podcast. That's another opportunity that we are really excited about. So what are you currently working on right now?
1: So I'm currently working on healing myself because I decided that it would be better to be healthy so that I can actually create more art instead of trying to make art as a wounded traumatized person and then hating myself for not being able to make anything. And
0: like what does your healing look like right now?
1: My healing looks like therapy and it also looks like I guess tending to that hurt inner child doing Redoing a lot of things I did in childhood, like watching movies, but in a safe space and like actually enjoying it. And like it is healing, and then doing like crafts and stuff, just like a little kid, but in a safe environment now.
0: I want to hear more about your experience with South by Southwest as well, because you recently just did like a week's worth of show after show, and I want to like get to talk about it a bit more.
1: So I was not sure if I was going to be able to do it just because I had a loss in the family. I had, I mean, I think I was still recovering from some mental health stuff. And so I was kind of iffy about it. But then... And you also don't drive. Yeah, I don't drive, which is something that I deal with from PTSD. But you offered to help me, like take me to the shows and stuff. And... Something that I didn't even think of or, like, know existed was, like, having an aid. And they offered that at South by Southwest, which I guess you can talk more about. because.
0: Yeah, so we were in line to get her pass, and I was like, I'm all about disability justice and activism and advocating for yourself. So what am I going to do? Like, I don't have a pass, but I can't just leave you. Like, if I were to have been left alone, I would be like terrified. So I'm like, I I can't just leave you. It's not even that like you asked me to, but it was just like, I just know that it's going to be miserable and scary and I could just feel the fear. And so after she got her pass, we went over to the questions desk or whatever. And I was like, hey, like what kind of disability accommodations do you guys offer? And I was just like, I am claiming this and and I yeah. feel like they were OK. They must know what they're talking about. So I just act like I know what I'm talking and they about. they did. They, and they did. They're know. like, oh, like an ADA support person? I was like, yes, an ADA yeah, support person. Like, that's the I would imagine, like, you were probably like, but do I have to, like, show proof? I don't think they could be like, I need you to prove that you're disabled to me. And so they were just like, okay, this person needs to be with you. And she was, like, super helpful and nice. So, he was yeah. so helpful. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was, like, really eye opening, too. That was the first time. And I felt like I was tricking them because I was like, little do they know <laughs> I'm disabled. <laughs> The disabled person, a disabled person for support. <laughs> but honestly, it's like that is so empowering because if you had this like abled person walking around with you, it would be so awkward, especially if you don't know them. Also, you'd have to pay them. And it's mm-hmm. like that would be just uncomfortable in itself. But it's like disabled people can help disabled people. And it was a good experience, I think, yeah. to be, just to have. That security of like, I am supposed to have someone with me. I can have someone with me. And we did come into some trouble in the artist area. Yes, the the guy was like, I don't know, like, got to go check and stuff. And so he was pretty much just like, no. And I was like, uh, you're saying that you're declining a disabled person, their support person. And when I said it that way, he was like, I'm going to check with the manager. And I was like, yeah, you go (laughs) do that. I was like, it's not right. You can't do that. And so it did end up being fine. I felt like you were so comfortable and I was the one who was like freaking out. And I was like, <sighs> <getting in> trouble. <laughs> oh no. I was like, there's no way that like we could get in trouble for that. <laughs> so I was not worried about it. Do you feel like that experience made you think about disability differently or think about PTSD as disabling?
1: Yeah, because I don't think I necessarily thought of like me being disabled in that way, but I... I am and it was really helpful having you there like because you like understood what I did need and and I understand what you need as well so like it was like this good balance that we have and um who would
0: you describe as like your intended audience that you make your art for
1: I would say that it's for traumatized people that want to heal and I think especially for People who have been abused, especially with childhood sexual abuse. Because I think, I mean, it's so common, but I just don't hear a lot of people talk about, I guess, the differences of that kind of abuse and like an abusive partnership or something. And it is extremely different, but they're also similar in ways. Would you want to
0: talk maybe about some of the differences, just kind of generally, or the similarities?
1: Yeah, I think mostly for, like, domestic abuse within partners. A lot of people can accept that, like, it's someone that you know doing that to you. But then, I think with childhood abuse, a lot of people think of it as, like, this creepy stranger just is gonna, like, snatch you up or something, but that's not the case 99% of the time. It is someone you know, a close friend, a family member, and a lot of people still just don't think, oh, like there's no way a family member could do that or a father could do that. So yeah, there's a lot of discussion that needs to be had. Like it, it does happen and it happened to me and it happens to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and also it's like in a like domestic partnership abuse situation, it's like you're an adult and you've yeah. developed and your brain is developed. And when you're a child, your brain is still developing and it's like informing your reality and your understanding Mm -hmm. of the world and understanding of yourself as well. And that's like a big difference, too.
1: Yeah. And of course, then you grow up to more likely be in more abusive situations because you just don't know (laughs) what that is supposed to look like and you don't have an example
0: yeah. What kind of conversations do you want to hear people having in regards to abuse?
1: I think a lot of education, I guess, of like how it happens, how it starts, signs to look out for, which I think I see a lot of people doing more now for sure. But regards to like childhood abuse, I think there needs to be more open-mindedness of like it could be somebody you know and you do have to be really vigilant and I know that a lot of people don't want to do that. It is shitty. Look out for
0: the signs
1: of grooming or things like that.
0: Do you feel like there are things that you had brought up that were missed? I mean I
1: definitely think for me I was very sexually curious and I think hypersexual as a child, that's that's a sign. Also just, I experienced depression since I was like five or four. I don't know how that was missed. I guess it was just like, oh, she's just quiet. And it was kind of dismissed, but I kind of wish someone would have paid attention to that more.
0: Yeah, and I think part of the problem is like, if you're a child who's experiencing abuse, it's possible that the adults around you have also experienced it to some degree and also don't know how to address it either. That's kind of what we talk about with like breaking cycles. It's a lot of work, like you're spending a lot of time trying to undo that and also heal in order to, like, be able to have healthy relationships and be able to understand when you're in an abusive situation and know how to get out of an abusive situation. I did want to bring up why it's important to also teach kids language. Even if you were believed, would you even have the language to communicate what was going on?
1: Not at all. And I didn't learn the words, like, even just harassment or incest or things like that until I was 14, 15. Even at that point, like, I didn't really know what had happened to me. So even then, I didn't make the full connection. And especially with, like, repressed memories and stuff like that, those came to the surface not until my early 20s. And then I was able to identify it. But yeah, if when I was, like, a little kid and someone had said, like, this is what this is
0: then for sure I I think I could have gone to someone right away and I think the important thing too is like make sure they don't feel like they're getting in trouble like I think the feeling of getting in trouble is it's a tool that silences children all the time Mm -hmm. yeah you also mentioned that you are no longer a Christian and so I'm curious how that came into play with your like childhood experience I still started questioning things I mean like right away when I was like a little
1: kid it was always like your questions were never answered they were just kind of brushed away with like God is the answer or like Jesus is the answer but it's not really an answer you know I always had questions and it wasn't until maybe like 15 16 that I stopped going to church and I think that did go along with my home life at the moment. It was a very toxic environment and abusive. I started to rely more on my gut and what my feelings were telling. I don't know instinct was that this is not the right place for me to express what I'm actually feeling because I did have an experience in church where I talked about my depression and at that time I didn't even have that word because I was like what you see on tv of depression is just so not what I was experiencing and so you know it was the whole like people laid their hands on me and someone said that they were praying the demon of depression out of me and it was like a traumatic that was a traumatic experience i think because one i never thought about oh there's a fucking demon in me like that was weird and then someone trying to pray it out of me and then me still experiencing those feelings because i was in an abusive home so it kind of like shifted something in me. And I was like, okay, that's not the answer. So I've got to find something else. Then it wasn't until like my early twenties when all the memories started coming up and I was like, oh, I was abused as a child. And I think the process for me of distancing myself more from Christianity, I was more able to be honest about the reality of things in my home and the reality of the abuse and i think if i had held on to those christian beliefs just the oppression that came along with it too i don't think i would have said anything
0: because the way christianity specifically is employed in our society, particularly in America, is extremely oppressive. Sarah Fox had talked about how, in many ways, art is like the opposite of a lot of religious institutions where with religion, it's like, don't ask questions, just Mm -hmm. have faith. And with art, it's like, speak up, ask, explore, be curious, share your knowledge, which Mm -hmm. is like very much in opposition.
1: But it's also, like, so funny, too, because that is what Jesus did. <laughs> and it's so the opposite of what you get taught in churches. I can't even say it's Jesus funny is.
0: anymore. It's infuriating to me. Yeah, <laughs> it,
1: yeah it is infuriating. And uh, I do have, like, a complicated relationship with religion, I think, because I do still talk to God, I guess. But then I'm more like, it's really myself and that's okay. Like, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with being mad at God if he is real, because I think that there should be space for Christians, like active Christians or ex-Christians to have anger towards him and not just praise and
0: love. There's so much to say about just like Christianity as a means of oppression. And oppressing people mm-hmm. and oppressing women with this, like, fear of God and hell mm-hmm. as the tool to scare people and keep them silent.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, submissive, like, Catholicism, like, it's literally used as a way to make people stay quiet about abuse. Because I also identified as Christian for a long time. Like, it's very hard not to growing up in Abilene. Like, I am now a hardcore abolitionist, pro-sex worker, pro... Which is more like Jesus. <laughs> right? Like like Jesus' story was what drew me to Christianity. Like, I was like, yes, this is how the world should be. And then mm. there's so much, like, I guess, cognitive dissonance. The reality of Christianity is not the work of jesus or whatever it's like so weird even saying this name i still don't think i've fully unpacked all of my religious trauma let alone how christianity has affected my sexuality let alone Mm -hmm. that i'm still unpacking that abstinence culture purity culture it Mm -hmm. fucks with you
1: yeah And that also kind of ties back into like childhood abuse, the way that girls are seen, they're like tempting men. And it's like, no, no, (laughs) that is just completely false and made up by men to excuse their behaviors. And I'm not saying that because women do abuse children as well.
0: I was talking to a friend about this, where it's like the impact of that trauma isn't often as a parent where it's like, it's still just as traumatic to their development and their bodies. Often the things that like leave us with PTSD are shameful things. And it's like the fact that we can't talk about what happened, like in that shame that just adds to the like disabling effect of traumatic experiences, because everyone who experiences something traumatic isn't always gonna form PTSD, but like when the thing that you experience is shameful and you are left alone and you don't have a way to cope or process or given the language, that is what adds to the disabling effects of trauma often.
1: And then even the effects of it afterward into adulthood of like being hypersexual or alcoholism or drug use and all that in men, I mean, you're expected to be hypersexual. Yeah, Like
0: the damage is still there. It still impacts their development. Yeah. 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 <sighs> what message or like feelings do you hope like your work inspires and in your viewers and listeners?
1: I mostly want people to feel seen and heard because I think that's what I have not felt and validated for sure.
0: Do you have ways that you engage with your audience? Like, do you find that like you're able to engage with your audience on social media?
1: Yeah, I think by just being open with things that I'm going through, um, that usually opens up a conversation between my friends and followers, just posting little vulnerable things and going from there. And I think sometimes I get embarrassed because I feel like I'm oversharing and like trauma dumping on there. But it's also like, that's what this looks like too. That's what healing looks like. And I think we kind of have to just get over that little hump of the healing process. Well, how do you view me on
0: social media? <laughs> I do notice that like you... I've noticed in like name changes, I've noticed that like, you do ask for a lot of reassurance. And I see a lot of that in my own engagement with my friends and followers. I think I do a similar thing where it's like, I really want to use it as a way to engage with people and not just be seen, but also like as a way to like, communicate with other people Mm -hmm. and ask for responses and talk about things and I do feel like I show a lot of vulnerability and transparency and like what my life is like and it does feel very vulnerable but it's also like life that's like being alive and so yeah yeah, I also feel like I do a similar thing
1: yeah that's what I want to see from other people like I don't think I'm necessarily doing anything special by like sharing stories or being open. Cause I think, or asking for reassurance from followers. Cause I think everyone ultimately wants that. Like that's why we're on social media. So I, I think I'm like, well, I might as well just blatantly ask for what I'm needing here.
0: And yeah, most of the time you get it. I've been thinking about the like concept of trauma dumping a lot too. I sometimes find people are terrified to say anything because they're afraid that they're gonna be seen as trauma dumping. I feel like it's in your space and then also if I feel like it becomes trauma dumping like there is a difference between talking about an important thing and trauma dumping and especially when we are talking about people who are traumatized it's like if their life was traumatic it's like oh you're not allowed to talk about your life at all but I think like the separation between just like talking about something that was traumatic and trauma dumping is a lack of consent if you're not getting the therapy and help that you need and you're kind of like asking other people to fill in that therapy role in a way that they don't feel like they have the choice to say no to like Mm -hmm. I feel like that's when it becomes trauma or if like you take out your trauma onto other people like I feel like that is trauma dumping and not just talking about traumatic things
1: because I think for me it feels like a fine line of like when am I just dumping this information on someone that probably i always ask myself that too but then i do try to like condense it down to where it's not detailed or anything or it is like to the point and where it will open up a conversation so yeah yeah
0: i want to talk about your artist name and also your name name if you want to talk about that let's talk about names
1: yeah so my real name is not casper it's my chosen name my old name just saying it it makes me like cringe inside the meaning behind it is like religious and it's so feminine and it sounds submissive to me or something and and it was also a name my dad gave me and To me, Casper, like it can be boy name, girl name. I don't know, aligns more with my creative personality. And then I think with music, so I've had a lot of names there. (laughs) It started off as Casper Anderson just because I thought it sounded catchy. And that was like, I came up with that when I was 18. And I didn't really think about the fact that Anderson was like a white last name and how I think I was kind of subconsciously like assimilating in a way or trying to present myself as a white artist. And um, so, yeah, I, I realized that within the last few years, I thought about what goes more with my electronic synth pop sound that i'm doing now and i came to the name 333 wish which is kind of like my fantasy of a phone number that like you know like a late night tv commercial like 333 wish um (laughs) like call now i want to have i mean this is like if i ever can make it happen like a phone number that people can call and either hear a song or like tell me something that's on their mind and i can like use that as inspiration to make a song for them that's that's just the idea
0: behind it (laughs) i love that so much
1: i am currently working on a song called small that came about from it was this last summer my mom was moving out of our home and there's just a lot of childhood and boxes and just like frozen pieces of time everywhere and there was a lot of memories for me triggered from childhood and one day I got back to my boyfriend's apartment and like this poem it sounds so cheesy and dumb it just like came out of me in like one sitting and Then I was like, hey, I can turn that into a song. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I don't know if you want me to read my poem. Because I have it right here just in case. Okay. Yes. I have a... Okay. Oh, so do you want to know something interesting? Okay. when When I was going through like the boxes of my old toys and everything, there was so many McDonald's toys. And I just realized, okay, like we were poor and our only source for fun was like getting McDonald's. I didn't realize that until (laughs) last summer. I never thought of it that way. Yeah Uh, and anyway so I found this little notebook from maybe I was like eight or nine and I opened up the first page and it said I have a swimming lesson today. The sky's an overcast gray. We're jumping off the diving board today. I would write a sentence about my day every day when I was a kid. That's the first thing I saw in my book. And that's like kind of what triggered this poem. So that's how this starts off. So here is Small. I have a swimming lesson today. The sky's an overcast gray. We're jumping off the diving board today. When we get home, turn on the TV. Fresh prints of Bel Air. We always catch the tail end, never fails. Kool-Aid drinks, love the chemicals. VHS tapes in perpetual motion to record our favorite shows for us. We were so small. And we're still so small. Shuffled out into the front lawn so we wouldn't hear the fights. Didn't work, but I admire you for trying. A happy meal as a distraction. A walk about the toys are us. I asked you if our dad hated all of us. Back to the house on Ambler Avenue. Haunted by the ghost of an argument. When I was five, I thought of doing it. I thought I could save us all because we were so small. We witnessed one too many cars crash on the corner from where we parked. A motorcyclist in our driveway, we saw his soul leave his body, and we watched it all. The call of death imprinted on us all. He was driving down Ambler Avenue, and it led him to a road he's never been. The road inside that's beckoning to us to come and find yourself because you're still so small. Yeah. I have to like kinda of hold back tears while like reading yeah. that. It feels like a kind of like new step in my healing or something. Yeah, <laughs> and it's my like, art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just like that reminder of like none of what happened to me was my fault, essentially. Mm-hmm. And or nothing that happened to you when you were a kid was like your fault and we really have to remind ourselves of that. In the healing process, we have to remind ourselves that we were so small and
0: it wasn't our fault. On a personal level, I feel like it reminded me a lot of my childhood experiences, too, of, like, recording shows. I remember we would check yeah. out movies and things from the library, and then we had, like, a VHS, like, recorder, yes. so we would record them. And yes. then I would, like, rewatch them over and over again. I had my little, like, collection of movies. Um, oh, my then, God oh and i think you posted on your instagram a picture of the video games at the mcdonald's like the video game station yes (laughs) that we would just like we would go to the park too because like we lived within walking distance kind of of a park but like my parents they would much rather take us to mcdonald's and just let us play we would just go to mcdonald's
1: yes (laughs) i know we did the same exact thing
0: and then going to Toys R Us to just like, that is the one where I was like, I was not expecting to get hit right there. Like going yeah. to Toys R Us to just walk, around. oh my God.
1: Just to walk around cause you can't afford anything, but you just look and like in it for me, it was a distraction that my older siblings would use to get us out of the home when something was going on. Just all those realizations you have when you're older, reflecting on it.
0: But <laughs> And it's also like, I appreciate you specifically in this moment, sharing that one little thing that like brought back so many memories for me.
1: Cool. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of like those conversations that I want to have because I like thinking of those really specific like moments in our lives can just conjure up so many things. And I think I I was kind of like inspired by Sufjan Stevens, like his last album, like he had this one line that like, like opened up like this whole different world where he says like, when I was three, three, maybe four, you left us at that video store. And like, it was just like, whoa. In that one line, he like told a whole separate little story. That's kind of what I try to do as
0: well. When did you begin to see yourself as an artist?
1: I began to see myself as an artist, not until adulthood. just didn't make the connection when I was a kid of like, this is something I'm doing and can do to make a living as an adult. Because it was just such a an inner urge an instinct I guess and it was like pure so I didn't think about it in that way at all before it was tainted (laughs) then I think in high school which you mentioned in your interview uh, Miss Maxwell was like oh yeah you can like do this for a living when you're older and she talked about ADHD openly like every single day (laughs) and so and I knew that at that point, like, yeah, I, I identify a lot with her so that I probably had it too, like most artists. And uh, I think that's when I was like, kind of started to take myself more seriously, but also when you can't go to college and actively pursue it for four or five years, it is much harder to stay an artist, I think. For me, I right now, I have the support of my boyfriend helping me like through my healing process and supporting me in becoming an artist. I was accepted into art school when I was 19, and I was working at a funeral home, and that made me apply to art school because I was like, oh my God, life is fleeting. I better do what I want with my life. And I got in and everything. That wasn't a problem. But then the money and my family was not in a place to get like enough financial aid. And I was out of school. So it was harder to obtain scholarships and financial help. So I was completely stuck and like devastated too, because that meant, okay, well, you just have to get regular jobs and work. Hopefully, you can somehow get out of Abilene or something. And that was like a a hard kind of journey of my early 20s.
0: I know you're still in the healing process. So you might not have an answer yet. But I'm curious, like, what opportunities were available in Abilene? And like, how does that compare to like, maybe potential opportunities and things? Now that you're here in San Antonio?
1: So the opportunities in Abilene, they were very few and far between, I think for me, because I was kind of late in the game of getting involved in the community there. But there are some great people like Jen Harmel, who was starting like a people party production. And I got involved with like the craft fairs. Uh, that she hosts, but as far as, like, the music scene, it was very much run by older men, or just people that I can't identify with, really, or just a, a different men, ew. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it was hard to to do anything with music and Abilene because it was either, like, okay, like, this guy is gonna hit on you, or... Like, just be completely dismissive of you as a musician and artist and not take you seriously. It was hard to,
0: like, play shows. What is it like to be a daughter in a Hispanic family? Like, especially in your case, the, the youngest daughter in a large, specifically, like, Mexican family. Like, what has that experience been like for you? It's
1: kind of difficult, honestly. Just because... I think there's such a traditional like value system that is generational and it it is really hard to break just very sexist values. And I was not encouraged or my sisters were not really encouraged to find what they enjoy and find a career that they wanted or like things like that. It was more how can your talents or things serve the men in your life or that are going to be in your life so not much was expected of me other than you're probably going to get married and
0: that's it and have babies so (laughs) yeah but also were you allowed to date like how are they expecting you how is this expected to happen (laughs) no not at all and i
1: took those rules too seriously
0: i was like i can't date oh my god i can't but
1: like i wanted to (laughs) and then of course like going hand in hand with my sexual trauma of being hypersexual but like not being able to do anything about it was so difficult (laughs) and I think being the youngest daughter too I'm not the youngest child in the house like I have a younger brother but I am still viewed as the youngest and I was treated that way
0: (laughs) and then on top of all of that you also have a very creative family like a very artistic family what has that been like to you and how has that affected your journey as an artist
1: so there is a weird dynamic that we have of like we don't share our talents it's not like we were all like playing like songs together like this fucking brady bunch or whatever and i that's like the view people had and probably still have of us like we never talked about art not until like later I developed, like, a relationship with my siblings. But, like, it was just, like, this weird embarrassment around it a lot of the times until, like, you were forced to perform, like, in church or a talent show. I feel like I kind of had to be forced to perform a little bit. And it was always so embarrassing, and especially in front of my family. But I felt like, why is it so weird? Because we all do the same thing and have creative outlets but it was such a weird dynamic.
0: Are there any artists that you look up to?
1: Right now I think I'm really looking up to Alice Glass which I don't know if you know from Crystal Castles um, and she left that band and kind of abruptly like years ago but then she later like recently came out about a bunch of abuse that she suffered like at the hands of her band member it was it started for when she was like 16 or 15 or something and she's like in her 30s now and like just talking about it and yeah so she's making music about healing from abuse and also like just being angry about it and she has songs about revenge fantasies and like not forgiving People and abusers. So I'm kind of like very into that, like, not healed yet, angry space of healing.
0: And then what's next for you?
1: I am really wanting to put music out and I have to get over that fear. I have so many songs, and there's this record label that reached out to me an independent record label called Not Yet Remembered Records. And there are some people that I knew from Vine, which I was very involved in the art Vine community back in the day, and, uh, and I still have those, like, connections with those people. So uh, they reached out to me, like, a couple years ago, and they've been, like, super patient with me, and they're still like, yeah, we want to put out your music. So I think I'm going to, like, release some music with them this year and I want to release my song Small that I read for you earlier and kind of have like this idea of being like this childhood party clown like a sad (laughs) kind of creepy but not creepy clown and yeah we'll see what happens with that
0: so I want to talk about from your perspective art's role more broadly in changing the world and making the world a better place for people and helping people heal. And so I'm curious what your answer would be to like, what does being an artist let people do that other career paths don't afford them to?
1: I think it definitely allows freedom Uh, in a different way. Um, I think, like, of imagination. And so, like, because we can, like, imagine the world in a completely different way and, like, make it happen. Um, Just like we imagine a painting or building something and, like, we can make it happen. And I think a lot of people get stuck on, like, well, the world is like this and we can't do anything about it. But Artists see the world as, like, no, there's, like, this, like, whole other area that, like, we're not touching at all. And I don't know, like, artists can see all those little details and, like, ideas and reach out and
0: grab them and, like, you know. <laughs> I think about your experience of, like, not not getting – like, not being able to go to art school, not being able to pursue art – intensely and then having to be almost like distracted by like needing to support yourself financially not having a lot of like opportunities and support available like community wise and so I notice how it's very common to like other people to be like yeah like you have all this potential like like you can do all these things but you have to fit that into the world that exists now and it
1: is hard to break out of that mold because like we, I think previously talked about how, like, if I want to make a living off my art, like the most profitable thing for me to do is make t-shirts and mugs and, you know, products with my art on it and it's not necessarily for me as fulfilling because it doesn't start any conversations it's just another item for someone to have like and then it is hard to compete with like the larger stores that can produce these things at such a cheaper (laughs) price and I'm like okay who's gonna buy my mug that I hand created for $35 $35 when you can get one at TJ Maxx for like literally $3 you know so I do feel that like pressure and then when I think about price difference and all the time then to me it's not worth it yeah, yeah. and how is the pandemic
0: or did the pandemic change anything for you in your professional life I think
1: so it really opened up my mind to like a new perspective that art is not worthless. And therefore, I'm not worthless (laughs) for making art. Like, yeah, so during the pandemic, like, I started drawing dog portraits. And I think especially, like, during that time, people were, like, getting so many new dogs and also having pets pass away. So, like, being able to help people through all those feelings with my drawing of their dog, I don't know, it, like, was like, oh, this is, like helping people and doing something. So I felt like I was contributing to something,
0: you know? So, like, how do you financially support yourself?
1: I rely on my boyfriend right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of guilt and shame in that, especially because I think I'm like, oh, no, I'm falling into, like, the traditional, like, woman role of like yeah like oh god I'm staying home I'm taking care of the dogs I'm whatever and so I'm like I really want to break out of that because that's not what I want and I know he doesn't view me that way but it still like is like painful I think I think just because of how I grew up too it was very much like but he does reassure me that like He's supporting me because he wants to, and he does believe that I can be successful with my art, and yeah, I really am, like, privileged to have that, because I know that a lot of people don't have that.
0: It does put a lot of pressure on you, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because it does feel like, okay, if I fail, then... I mean, I really fail, (laughs) and also fall into
0: this role that I don't want to fall into. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I want to specifically talk about what are ways that independent musicians are able to subvert these systems of oppression, like white supremacy, misogyny, ableism, capitalism, and Christianity. (laughs) I mean, I think by just
1: talking about it, um, which I, that's something that I like about TikTok, is that we're getting into these really like nuanced conversations about our lives and that's what needs to happen because if we don't get into all those details about being poor and how that does affect all of your choices in life and yeah I think when we have those conversations more people would be like oh yeah this is fucked up and we really should change it because I think there is a lot of shame attached to like how much money you make and like you're not supposed to share that info and but i think it's like fuck that you know talk about everything yeah art helps us
0: do that yeah so how can people find and support your work (laughs) hi well
1: They can support my work by finding me on Spotify, by searching 333wish, or you can find me on Instagram at the same name, 333wish. My art stuff is more on Big Cartel. Um, Casper is
0: weird. Reclaiming Representation was created by me, Karina Hiscock, produced by Haley Wang, and our theme music is by 333WISH. You can find a full transcript and additional resources for today's episode on our website, reclaimingrepresentation.com. If you want to support us, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon or follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok. You can find links to everything in the description. Thanks for listening.